All right. Well, let's, uh, I want to share something. I told you last couple of weeks, hey, there's a big announcement coming, something that's big news. And so I want to share that with you guys this morning. And it's real simple. We simply believe that God is calling vintage to move forward and specifically talking about moving forward in our space. So I'm going to share this this morning. And then we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 13 in a few minutes. So it may go a little bit long this morning. So if you have to leave right at the top of the hour, God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, we're going to go a little longer than that, probably to like, I don't know half quarter three quarters 20 after i don't know whatever so so all that to say we believe that god's calling us to move forward in the context of moving forward we said several years ago guys it is not the smartest and most viable financial option for vintage to stay here we're renting and you know rentals are not great long term because you have no return on your investment right we this place doesn't belong to us and so we doesn't this doesn't so it's difficult for us we're paying a lot of money but no return on that so we decided a few years ago and we talked about it here on a sunday morning and for a couple of Sundays, hey, we really believe God telling us to move forward. And, and in moving forward, we began setting aside money in, a, in an account over here so we could begin preparing ourselves. And so in that, we believe that God really is kind of ramping us up to take the next steps. And so in the context of this, we, we believe that God's calling us to a long-term home, right? A long-term home. And in the context of that long-term home, we're saying God is having us look from here and look Elsewhere, And so we've been doing that. We've been looking hard. We've had real estate agents helping us. We've had people coming alongside of us. We actually have talked to that leadership team and brought specific properties that actually we can somewhat afford and that are on the table for us. And it's been great because our team's working together. And this is so my point is there are great options on the table. And so we began moving forward, but we kind of reached this point. I want to share this part is this vision piece is that first recognize, man, we got to create this vision because we're going to build something It has to be awesome for us and primarily for our community. Because I don't know, I'm sure you've never seen these types of churches that people drive by and never feel comfortable going into. Like, you ever experienced that? Or like, people who see church like, that's so weird, right? Or, or people drive by and see locks on the front doors. That's always sad, right? It's like, it's so weird. Like, we want to create a, a place that literally our neighbors love that we're here. And they may not go to church, but they would call vintage their church because they're always doing something in the context of our four walls. And so we began kind of just this vision shaping around, hey, what are some possibilities? What are some things? And so what I'm going to do this morning is name some primary pieces. And then some what ifs. Everybody say what if. What if. Like, these are the things we're just thinking about. They're just what ifs. We may not do them because God may give us different direction, but they're just our what ifs and the things that help us to really begin to shape and think through vision. So, the first thing for us in this vision is we definitely want to recreate space to allow for growth. And so, the idea is we have space for children, space for youth, space for adult ministries, right? And we want to create a space that, well, it impacts that. And gives room for growth because we believe that when we lift Jesus high at vintage, what happens? He draws people to himself. And so we're expecting that God's going to grow. Steve, we're going to make a church? I hope not, right? We just want to be a people who are faithful to what God's called us to be. And whatever he wants to lead us to, wants to be a mega church, fine, we can be that. But right now we're saying we just want to create space for our growth, the people that we have so we can disciple our family well. 
The second piece of that is we want to focus what we build around mission. You know, it's talked the big board outside. I've been talking about it at Vintage. Scott talked about it a couple of weeks ago. He said, we are a church that focuses a lot of our primary energies into foster care. We have foster families. We're asking everybody to get plugged in in some way to foster care, whether it's like an hour out of the entire year. If it's all you have time to give up, that's fine. We're just asking you to connect in some way. So we said, what then if we look at our space as something that can meet the needs of foster care in our community. And so we said, well, there are a lot of partners that we are in relationship with, people that we know who are doing foster care. A lot of them have struggled with office space. A lot of them struggle having visitation space. A lot of them have a struggle trying to figure out what to do with kids, kind of the, just to do with children in the context of whether it's you know mentoring or discipleship or whatever it may be. There are children literally this this week who were pulled out of their personal home. They had no foster home to go to, so they stuck them in a hotel for a season, trying to find someone who could actually take them into their home, right? That happens every day. And so, in, so maybe not in Georgia, but all over the, all over the nation, that's happening every day. And so, so in the context, we're saying, well, what if we take those things into account in the context of our conversations, we will figure out things that we can do to help them. So what if, remember the what if, this idea we're considering, what if we just created extra space for offices for those who don't have offices so they can just come use our space, so they don't have to drive from point A to point B, and they can have a central hub in the area of our community. What if we build a visitation center that can be double used? So what if, this is a what if, don't hold me to this, okay? But what if we built like an indoor playground like they have at Chick-fil-A that had a big window here so that you could do your small groups with your children, small children during the afternoon, and then in the evening, Faith Bridge or whoever else comes along and says, hey, this now is our, this room's our visitation center and we can let the kids run around and play in our playground, right? It's just a what if, right? I know that costs a lot of money, but it's like, this is cool stuff. What if we create, again, this place as a visitation center? What if we create a place that literally they recognize they have a space, whether it's like this or a smaller room, that they can come and, and do mentoring. We have classrooms that they can use for mentoring and we can use them for our small groups in the evening. Because I'll just be honest with you, my pet peeve about church is that it's used about 20, maybe 10 hours out of the entire week that cost six million dollars. That just doesn't seem like the best use of funds. It's just the insiders and church people using a space that's so accessible to our community. So let's be intentional from the outset to connect with those in our community who have needs and just create the answer for them. What if we create a multi-purpose space, right? This like safer our neighbors. So the big what if, right? So I just had this dream, this vision. What if we built like such an like we want to build a playground for your kids because you had to have one. But have you ever driven by a playground that looked awesome at a church and felt really weird like you were trespassing if you went to use it? What if we just intentionally created a playground that was awesome and it said out front, everybody's welcome. Right. And then the people go, yeah, I go to the playground church. That would be amazing. Right. <laughs> Or do we create like green space so that our youth can go out and play ultimate frisbee rather than running into cars out here, create a green space for them. And then people from our community can come and use it for practices or use it for whatever they want. So they want to come and do, they can come with foster kids all the time, want to come in and do like these leadership programs. And they say, we have a space for you to do that. We have a space you meet. We have a green space. We have small kids. They can go play in the playground. We have an indoor play, whatever, like all these what ifs. What if we create a space that really, really takes the arts? To heart. Like, do you know that God's the greatest artist in the world? Have you ever seen a sunset? 
and he loves the arts, and we've begun here creating an art movement at Vintage, and we're like, everything we do is the idea of keeping the arts in mind, because there are artists, to be honest with you, church, no artists who don't know Jesus go to church, because church is really weird, and artists are a little weird themselves, right? But they're complete polar opposite weirdness. You know what I mean in this. Like, they're weird in an awesome way, like so unique and wonderful and artistic, right? I don't have that gene. I wish that I did. But we create a space then that artists from our community actually feel drawn to. And our artists who are here, there's things that are happening. What if music is happening? I just, this is a what if. What if we created a recording studio because God wanted to move in such a powerful way at Vintage that worship was just flowing from here like a mighty river, this is the what if. Like the idea for us is we want to dream small. Does that sound like God or we want to dream big? Which one sounds more like him? And so the idea for us is that we feel God calling us and compelling us forward at Vintage. And so in that next slide for us, that we recognize that the steps for growth, number one is highlighting properties. We're in the midst of doing that. We're excited. There's some really cool properties out there. And we recognize that, that and this is kind of one of those kind of stopping moments, kind of like the pause, kind of like pumping the brake type moment. We realize for us to get to that place, we have to gain an increased financial stability. Yes, we have savings in place, but here's the issue for us. Right now, our budget, and just here, there are just three numbers. The first one is $48,000. It's our monthly budget, all right? So far, January through April, four months, we've, our average expenses have been $45,000. So we've been, we've been kind of doing great, right? What you do, it's like we've been, hey, we've been kind of coming underneath our budget. It's fantastic. But our income in that period of time has only been 42000 So basically, if you do the real quick math, you say there's a $6,000 difference between budget and income and a $3,000 difference between expenditures and income. So basically what that means is this, we're $3,000 short so far, which actually that's like, that's, that's not great, right? But it's not bad either. Cause last year we were at $10,000. So yeah, yeah, that's right. But we recognize in moving forward, just real simply put, we have to at least be breaking even, but preferably be higher than that. So we're actually putting money aside each month because I don't know about you. I don't like debt. And I don't like church debt. All of you know churches that are right now are anchored because, like I say anchor, like have a rope tied to an anchor and keeping them from doing things because they have this massive debt overhead. And so we're saying, wow, all right, well, God, we don't want to go into debt. We have money set aside. That's great. But we need to continue to get to this place. And so the idea for us is just real simple. We need to see everyone pitching in. For those of you who have been giving money to Vintage and faithfully worshiping God through your tithes and your offerings, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing that. And those of you who are like, oh, you're like, I said that, and you went, oh, twinge of guilt, right? A great opportunity. You can just begin pitching in, right? It's real simple to begin being obedient to God's call to worship him through tithes and offerings. We just start. And I'm not saying give 10% or else. I'm saying just give what you can, right? So, like if you're in a place like Steve, you don't have any idea. You're probably right. But God does. But he provides for you. And so he says... Just start with where you can and be faithful with that. And let's set a goal over here, 10%, 15%, 20%. I don't care whatever your goal is with the Lord, right? But let's begin somewhere with everyone pitching in. And the thing that we want to do is we, so we've done something at Vintage to try to help you be obedient and worship God through your offering. So let's go to the next slide. So right now, ways of giving. Offering baskets on Sunday, see them right here. Automatic draft from your bank, a lot of you do that. And then online from our website through PayPal. Go to the next one. This morning we are introducing 
one primary with three different ways to get start giving in a new way. We are so a lot of you who give through PayPal. We're we're moving from PayPal to something called PushPay, an online giving resource. If you ever been other churches, a lot of churches are using this, and it's fantastic. Basically, this guy said, "Listen, he was I forget where he's from. It's some other country. He said, I'm just tired of seeing churches struggle financially, so I'm going to create an online mechanism that just helps churches. It's just going to be a resource to help." People worship through giving. I don't know about you, but there have been lots of Sundays I forget my checkbook, right? Lots of Sundays. And so the idea is they're still offering baskets, still automatic draft. They're still online for our website, but we've introduced push pay. And the idea of push pay is real simple. There are three ways you can now give online. Part of the reason we're doing push pay over PayPal, push pay is cheaper. All right. We take out less of your money that goes to PayPal and more goes to us. All right. So again, you can go on. And sign up, and you can set up your bank account, you can set up your credit card, you can set up your debit card. Whatever you feel like God's calling. Listen, you're like, I hate this. We need to just give to the offering basket. Fantastic. Just give them the offering basket, right? Like, or just creating more opportunities, different ways for you to give, okay? The sec- second, sorry, I didn't mean to say sex in church. The second right here, B, is the giving kiosk. The giving kiosk in the foyer. What is that? Well, literally, if you turn left out of here and go towards our offices, you will find a little stand with an iPad on it that has a push pay app on it. And all you do is push this and you can give your offering. Now, here's the point. Hear this. Tithe and offering in any form of this is always an act of worship. And so whatever way that you give, you make sure that you're stopping in the moment. If you're going to push push pay and go 50 bucks towards general budget. Now, Jesus, I thank you that you've given resources to me that I can give away. And I'm asking now as I push this on my iPad that, Father, you would multiply this gift for your kingdom purposes because I love you. Amen. Right. It's all about worship. I don't care if you push a button or walk up here. And the next one. There's a giving kiosk. You go outside. You have this really cool app. You just press right here and it goes to you can pay. Second thing is the giving app. This is really cool. If you go on your phone right now, on your smartphone, sorry, your flip phone people. If you go to your smartphone, there is now a vintage 242 app. Here's the cool thing with that app. It is amazing. All of our, there is a place on, there's all these, there's like six different things, buttons you can push. One right here is our calendar. You can literally push the calendar. It will tell you everything going on at Vintage for the rest of the year. You don't have to email me. You don't have to call me and ask. You don't have to text me and ask what's going on. You just go to the app on our phone. All you got to do is go to the app store, put in Vintage 242, and our logo will pop up with our name, and you can download it, right? We have all of my messages and all of Scott's messages and all of Timothy's messages. He speaks on Sunday morning immediately right there. You can walk out of your church. Pull out your phone at 1230 or 1235 whenever we load it because right after church and you can listen to the messages. It's really, really cool, right? You can go on. You can contact us. And in the giving part, once you set it up, it's so cool. Then you can go on. You can set it up as recurring. Here's the great thing. For those of you who are like me, who on Myers-Briggs, you are a J. Rather, you're a P rather than a J, and you forget everything, and you're, you're someone, someone, else has, someone else has to tell you what to do and how to brush your teeth and stuff, and when to remember things. They literally, you can, you can set it up where it literally sends you notifications every week. Hey, do you want to worship God through giving again this Sunday? <laughs> right? It's really cool. It's just to help you. So again, why are we doing this? Because we have a vision that we recognize we can't make happen. 
But it makes it happen as God moves and as we financially are obedient to God in our worship. And as we do that, then all of a sudden resources begin to flow. As we say, God, move in whatever way you can through the... Is is the app going to save us? Absolutely not. Is the app going to make us have more money so that we can do more? No, Jesus is going to do it. He's going to use apps, right? It just happens. He uses anything he wants. He spoke to a donkey. He can use an app on your phone, okay? And so in the midst of this, all we're saying is, would you plug in? Would you just get connected? So two ways, you can either text with no space in between, Vintage 242 with no, none of this, what are the quotations, right? Vintage 242, no space, and, to, and the number 77977. If you do it right now, also it'll pop up, it'll take you straight to this place. Or just download the app and everything you need to know. So all you have to do is take about five minutes, set up all of your information, how you want to pay, and how you want to give, and how you want to worship. And in the context of this, when we get to December, we go, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we've all plugged in. Thank you, God, that we have heard your cry. And we're all answering your call to give for the purpose of your vision. That's what we're here for. Do I need you to give so I can have a better house and get a raise? I don't. I don't. I'm fine. We're fine. I'm asking you to give so that we can reach God's vision of, trans- of community transformation. It's as simple as that. And we just want to make it as easy as possible for you. Because I had someone say to me, my gosh, Steve, this is not you. This is somebody else. I mean, I will sit. I'll literally go to the beach in the summer. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I forgot to give my tithe. And now she was really excited. I can go online and, and just worship God by looking at art and the sunset or the waves, right? And just bless God and give right there on the spot. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, tell all your friends that, right? But seriously, we just want to invite you into this. The vision, the big news is that. We're taking massive steps forward, but we recognize we're going to be faithful in this. We have to be at a better place financially. Does that make sense to y'all? Like you get that? It's like, have you seen those people who go build houses they can't really afford? We don't want to be those people. Okay? So, good. I know I've talked for a long time, but we are excited. I mean, honestly, to be honest, so I didn't say it's the first service. I was super, I mean, I am I'm super excited about where we're going, but when we had to pump the brakes because of the financial piece, I was like, oh, Jesus, mm, that kind of hurts, Lord. I, I want to move forward, and, and I believe God is doing that. So just continue to pray with us in that, that God would give us wisdom in that. Pray that God would give us free land. That'd be awesome, right? And um, it would be as big a deal. So let's, we're, we're praying for that. Don't worry. We're talking to people and asking, hey, do you want to give us this as a tax write-off? So anyway. All right. Let's dive in this morning. I know, again, I told you we're going to go long, so you're prepared. If you need to go right now, this is your moment. Have a great day. We love you. Anybody? Okay. Here we go. Let's dive in. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start back in one verse, in verse 31 of chapter 12. But before we do that, so go ahead and turn there, get yourself set. Last week, Timothy did a great job. He came and said three things. We are gifted people. You cannot forget this. God has given you massive gifts. He's gifted you. Number two, you are you have these gifts in the context of community, in the context of family. Here and then outside, you have gifts to be used outside, right? Third thing he said is we are put together for a purpose. Like your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. God may have brought you here today to minister the gifts of the Holy Spirit in love to the person sitting right next to you or across the room or at La Perea today when you're chowing down on burritos, right? It's like God 
we are, God has gifted us. He has put us in community with people and we're together for a purpose. We have to land in this place. And then he led us into this idea of purpose. We are a people whose primary purpose is not to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Our primary purpose is to love people in the context of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear that? And so we're going to look this morning at Paul's language, Paul's words about this calling in the context of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the primary call to love. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time in this chapter over the weeks because I've looked at this before. The message from Paul, honestly, it's not difficult. He says this, love people and move in the gifts. That's the it. If you really need to leave, you can do now because that's really it. Love people and then exercise the gifts. That's the whole summation of it. And so in verse 31, we're going to read the whole thing right here. Um, let's go a little bit quicker this time, John, between, because I feel funny just pausing. They're like staring at me like this. So, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, that's massive, but have not love, I am nothing. Stop real quick. Let's look at the first verse. It says, this, yeah, it says, I am nothing. Let the word nothing sink in. So in the Greek is really important. It means nothing. Okay. It means absolutely nothing. We're worthless. Go into verse three. Okay. And if I give away all I have, if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. And it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or easily angered or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends or love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, return of Jesus, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I became a man. I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So what I want you to recognize in this moment is Paul comes in verse 31, says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. And so what I want you to recognize is not talking about spiritual elitism. He, he's, not, he's not talking about someone being more important than another. He just says, listen, pursue the greater gifts because the greater gifts have a greater impact on the body. They have a greater contribution, greater edification, greater encouragement, and greater comfort of the body. So let's just say for a moment, Carl Messina over here is in need of healing, and I walk over to him with the gift of ministration. That's fine, but what he really wants, what he really needs to edify the body is a gift of healing. And so there's these greater gifts that really meet the need of the body and the moment. And Paul's coming and saying, listen, we want you to pursue these greater gifts. doesn't mean a person who has them is better. doesn't mean the gift is even better. It's just greater in its impact. It's greater in its influence. It's greater in its edification. So he's saying, so I want you, this is important, to be a people who earnestly, like with your passion, pursue these gifts that have a massive life-giving impact on the body. 
Just to paint a picture from early service. Literally, harvest is in worship. We're literally singing. I'm literally in the front with my eyes closed in worship. And she stops. She says, I'm going to do something. Steve, Steve may not approve of this. I'm like, uh-oh, where are we going, right? And she just begins to weep. And she just looked at me and she just said, like I already mentioned the first, she said, Steve, I just feel like God's saying that you're in the front row in worship, but really what you're doing when we're singing about um, bless the Lord of my soul, I feel like you're really telling yourself this great burden that you're carrying that's too much in your life and that you're literally saying to your soul because you know God is good, just worship him even in the midst of this because you would say, Steve, you've reached the end. I had literally just prayed those exact words. Like I said those words and she began to speak. She sensed in her spirit a word of knowledge, right? What God was doing. And then she just spoke over me and said, now I want everyone to come forward and let's gather around our shepherd and let's love on him. Like, guys, I'll be honest with you, and you need to pay attention to this. This has been the worst month of my life. Like, as it relates to internally what's going on, like, I've been fine on the outside and things are fine, but it's like there's this, like, this angst and this tension, this turmoil, right? I'm just sitting there, and I was like, literally, it's like, God, I've just reached the end. Like, I know that you're good. I know that you're for me, and I'm going to worship you, God, but it's been overwhelming God. It's like, I can't, like I tell Randy, like I can't even put it into words. It's like this, like the guttural feeling and sense. It's like, and I, and I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know what it is. I know God's bringing me to the end of myself. Like I said, so that, that he could then say, Hey, you can't control everything, Steve. And I'm like, I know it, but I just, by nature it happens. And but He's letting me reach the end of myself. Why? Because there's something more he wants to do in me and through me and at vintage. And he needs me to get out of the way. And so I'm sitting there this morning and they're praying for me. What's happening? The gift of encouragement. People are coming up and they're, they're and she said at the end of this, if there's a word of encouragement you have for Steve, feel free just to stay up here and share. And so I just stayed up here and people came to me. You know what they all said? The exact same thing. Steve, I feel like God is saying he's just, here's a difficult season. He's moving to a time of grace. So he's pouring himself out into your life so there can be breakthrough. And he's saying he loves you with everything. That's all he said. Right? So why am I saying this? Because this is what Paul's talking about. This is not 2,000 years ago, some history class with the church at Corinth. This is everyday people like you and definitely like me who reached the end, who were in need, right? And God wants to pour himself out and he wants to express love to them. He's saying, and God wants to move in the gifts so that people who are in need, people who need God, there can be breakthrough. And so there's these greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? Well, it's the greatest gift you need in the moment of your need for breakthrough. But the greatest need of the church, like, listen, I remember when we first started planning vintage, I said, you can keep all the prophets, give me all the administrators, right? I was meaning that like tongue in cheek because prophets are like, yes, let me tell you what God's doing. And they walk off and go pray some more. I'm like, I need people to do something, right? We need to get the administration flowing at vintage. It was the greatest need in the moment. So Paul comes in and he speaks and we see three things in 1 Corinthians 13. The problem, the solution, and then Paul's perspective that he wants to create, a Jesus perspective, right? The problem, the solution, and perspective. The problem's simple. Their use of the gifts 
devoid of love is absolutely worthless. That's what you see in verses 1 through 3. If you want to create a simple equation to remember this by, spiritual gifts minus love equals zero, equals nothing. And Paul's coming and making this point, right? We see it in the three things that he named. What are the three things that he names, Steve? Well, he names these three primary things, or these primary things that they celebrate. So we see it. In verse 1, it's this, the gift of tongues, and the gift of prophecy in verse 2, and the gift of faith. And then this action of blessing the poor, this action of sacrifice. What does Paul say in this? It's on the screen. Tongues without love is a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. That's, have you ever had kids with a cymbal and a drum in your house? It's annoying, right? It's ineffective. It doesn't produce good music. Prophecy and faith without love, it says this great Greek word, Nothing. Blessing the poor as in like, oh, watch how much I give to the poor so that everyone can see how great I am to make a name of myself by my great generosity. Blessing the poor for personal gain is without love is nothing or sacrifice. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Just why don't you take my seat? I'll go to the back. Oh, you know, those people, they just want to make sure that you know what they're doing. So you'll think that they're awesome and tell everybody. Right. And Paul's saying, if you do any of these things without love, it literally gains you nothing. Paul, this is important. Paul's not coming and saying, I disagree with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul moved in all of them and celebrated them. That's what we read earnestly desire the gifts goes on in chapter 14. Do not be ignorant of the gifts. He's like, no, move in the gifts. He goes in chapter 14 and says, guys, I just wish all of you spoke in tongues as much as I do. Right? Because he's moving, speaking in tongues. Like he's moving in all of these. Jesus moved in all of them. The only one we don't know for sure that he used was the gift of tongues. All the others to use, and we and you can't make an argument from silence because silence scripture is silent on the issue. So he may have spoken in tongues, may have been in his own prayer time. We may not know about it, right? We have no idea. But all of these gifts used by Paul, all of them used by by Jesus, and so Paul has this firsthand experience. So when he comes in and speaks about the problem, I'm guessing, I'm guessing he's doing it from firsthand experience. Because have you ever not been good at something? And then you learned how to do it through all of your failures. And then you get over here like, yes, I finally know what I'm doing. I'm guessing that Paul's going to say, listen, guys, there's so many words like I'm like you. I remember my gifts when they came and there's a part of me that kind of got puffed up and this got arrogant, whatever. Right. And I realized that was sin and I was actually ineffective because I've experienced that personally. Let me tell you the best way. Let me tell you the solution. He's coming in his own personal story, in his own personal experience. He's painting this picture of the gifts in their worthlessness apart from the foundation of love, which is the higher way. I'll never forget, I was in Brazil 20 years ago. And I was had gone there for several months with this traveling evangelist who was doing crazy things. And I was you would watch his ministry and like it was weird, crazy stuff. Right. And like deliverances and healings and legs growing, all this type of stuff. Right. And I'm like, I'm like and I, I, he, I went to him and said, what can I do to be with you? He said, if you raise twelve hundred dollars and get it to me in a week, you can go on my trip. I wrote him a check that day to my college fund. <laughs> Praise God. Right. And I went to Brazil with Rick Bonfim. 
And we got down there and I'm like doing stuff and I'm praying and I'm preaching even. I'm seeing stuff. I'm like, but I remember praying that literally the last, the day before I leave, I get to go preach at this church. I'm 22 years old, right? Preaching in this Presbyterian church in the middle of nowhere, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And I remember, and I remember in prep going, God, where have you been? I've been waiting for this great stuff and I just haven't seen it. And God took me to, to I think it was Colossians. And spoke to me about the nature of love and said, Steve, you're ministering with people as guinea pigs to validate how great you are by doing something great versus you simply allowing me to love them through you. Like that was that was a little harsh. But not at all, because he said, you know what happened? I went, Jesus, thank you for telling me, being honest with me. Truth, right? Love. What does it say? Love rejoices with the truth, even when it's hard, right? So I'm rejoicing. Like, oh, that's so good. So I just begin to pray and like, all right, Jesus, what I'm hearing you saying tonight is I'm going to go and then we're doing ministry. And I just need to allow you to move through me. Allow your love to flow, right? So we went, went to this little Presbyterian church, began to preach. Oh my gosh, guys, it was awful. Like it was the worst sort of ever preached in my life, literally to, to, to date. It's the most embarrassed I've ever been after I've gotten done speaking, right? Like I was like, I was like fumbling and scriptures and interpreters. And it was like, this is awful, right? Like this just doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, right? So I'm like, all right, well, if you want to stay for ministry time, we have our team up here and you can all just come forward, right? So if you want to come forward, go ahead and just, or where you need to go, you can go ahead and get up and everybody begin to get up and I'm like, oh, they're all leaving. And they all came forward, right? I'm like, oh, yes, I didn't screw up too bad, right? Thank you, Jesus. People come forward, begin laying hands on them, praying for them. Nothing. Praying for them, nothing, right? Just like I feel like I'm hitting a wall. Uh, nothing. Uh, nothing, right? And finally, but this 20-year-old girl comes up. I lay my hands on her forehead, right? And I begin to pray, nothing. And I just hear the voice of the Lord. Let me love her through you. And I said, oh, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> totally forgot about our conversation earlier. I literally said that to the Lord in prayer right there. <laughs> so I'm just praying. I'm probably, you know, and I said, Jesus, I'm asking that you would come and love this girl through me. Liza, I'm not going to lie. I prayed that and something from my right shoulder down my right arm came out like this energy, right, that hit her. And as soon as like I just, it's like I felt it came out and she just goes, I start swaying like this. So we're like swaying like this. There's no, there's no thumping bass or anything, but we're just going back and forth like this, mm, mm, right, just kind of praying and letting God minister and do stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm just like, Jesus, literally, like, that, that prayer works. Let's just keep it up. Jesus, love her. Oh, your love for her. You know, it's like, you know, you just pray. It's just such good, great, right? And, and I'm praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, I get done. I pull my hand off. And she's still thumping it with no, thumping with the bass, even though it's not present, right? Going back and forth like this, right? And all of a sudden, she just stops. And I'm like, like this, right? Like, uh, like this, right? And she kind of leans in like one of those awkward stares. You know what I mean? Like awkward stare moment. Like, oh, uh, what do I do? And then she like just, then she just like gives me this massive like full frontal bear hug. I'm a pastor. I don't do full frontal hugs, right? It's like this whole full frontal hug. I'm like, oh, yeah, Jesus. I don't know what you did, but yay, right? Continue to minister. I'm praying the same prayer. Oh, Jesus loved this guy through, you know, through me. So anyway, fast forward, get to the end of the night. I'll start walking to my car. I look over to my left as I'm walking, and I see her group of friends. And they're, like, all energetic and all energized, man. You know, like, they're just talking and talking. And all of a sudden, one of them sees, they all see me. I'm like, hey, you know, yay. And so 
all of a sudden this guy comes running over. He goes, hey, I'm the only one that really speaks Spanish out of our group. I just can talk to you. Do, do you know what happened tonight? I said, well, I know what happened to me, right? And then I was praying, so the came like do this. And he's like, and started like this God's love for her. He goes, he basically, he said, do you know that we came tonight with her? And this is kind of like her last ditch effort because she had reached the end. In fact, we didn't know it. We did not know it until after service, but she said if this hadn't worked, she was going to go home and kill herself. I'm like, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, because the solution, which is next, is simple. Embrace love and desire to express the gifts. Like that night, guys, I, I'm like, Jesus, I can't. I've reached the end of my time here, my abilities. I've like just been blowing it. I mean, it was God's grace that my message was so bad because if it had been great, I'd probably give myself props for what had happened, right? He let it be terrible so that I would really lean on him and believe and trust him. And I'm like, and he just moved. He moved, right, with this. It was like perfect timing. It was like a word of knowledge. I just prayed love over her. I didn't know that's where she was, where she was lacking. But she literally had gone home in that moment to her family to tell them the entire story. And I'm believing that she led them to Christ. Now, I don't know. That's another silent piece. But when God does something like that in the Bible and people go as evangelists, something happens in the home. I guarantee you it changed their home. Embrace love and desire to express the gifts. Love is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gifts the, 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 this gift of love is not even greater than any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, except that it's eternal in nature. So it is of utmost importance. It is this central source from which our lives should function. It is the source from which everything good and pure will flow from. And so for us, this awakening to love, it's awakening to love. What we see in this moment is Paul is coming and saying, and Paul would speak in other places throughout Scripture, says, we need to be awakened to love. What does love look like? It looks like the cross of Jesus. You read through all of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just read through it real quick. Put it on the screen, please. Love is patient. Jesus on the cross was patient. Love is kind, even though we didn't deserve it, recognizing that we all carry a heavy load, right? Love is kind, it's not envy, it's not boast, it's not arrogance, it's not rude, does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable, it's not resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, it rejoices with the truth, it bears, believes, and hopes, and endures all things. The nature of this language is sacrifice. And the only expression of true love is birth out of selflessness and sacrifice. It looks like the cross. Why did Jesus love the way that he loved? Because it's the way he saw the Father love. Why did Paul love the way that Paul loved? Because he understood the love of Jesus. And the the equation worked out then is then we see it in Paul, and so then we love that way. And he comes here and says, 
This is why your gifts are absolutely worthless and ineffective. It's why when you go to pray, you hit a wall because my Love expressed on the cross has never truly been awakened and come alive into because hear this. Everyone pay attention, please. When you fall in love with someone, you have a compulsion inside of you to then express that love elsewhere. When my girls were born... I wasn't forced to love. I didn't go, well, all right, Jesus, well, I'm just going to serve you and, oh, just be obedient to you by, oh, loving these infants. No, I, they were born. I saw them and my heart was awakened to compulsion that I literally started running around like this, going outside, like, oh my gosh, what happened? Oh my gosh, like I was just giddy. I was like completely outside of myself and not like me because when I experienced this love for my girls and just without them having done anything except cry and look gross and covered in stuff, right? I loved them. And I wanted to tell every single person that I knew. Hey, if you're not married, get married, have a kid. If you are married, have kids, right? Like, make this happen. It's like, I said this the first service. i got to say it again because I just think it's funny. It's like literally when guys get married, like I stand before the Randall, right? And, and I'm just, I get done and I'm just in love with her, right? I'm just in love with her. My first thought is then to call everybody and say, man, marriage is awesome. And I'm having sex tonight and you're not in any boo-boo, right? Whatever it is. It's like, it's every guy. It's what you do, what you think about. It's true, right? Because there's just something like, ah, just wah. Girls, sorry, that's just what guys think. We're, we're pigs. We know it, right? <laughs> just call it what it is. Love is always an expression. Birthed out of love that's overwhelmed you because you know Jesus. You know his cross and you know his patience with you. Defines your life. You know his kindness, his tenderness. Again, love is patient. It actively waits. It willingly suffers. It's what patience is. It's what they used to call long-suffering. They should have kept that word. It makes more sense. Love is kind. I love this. I was just reading something. The guy said this. Kindness here means like tender. It means, listen, recognizing everyone else is carrying a heavy load and treating them as such. Like when you're at Starbucks and they get your order wrong, or you're, let's even say, let's go like Taco Bell, where you feel like you don't have to be nice there, right? Like, you feel like being nice at Starbucks. No, it's like, you know, I'm getting like used to it, and someone doesn't do what you want them to do, and you're like, duh, right? And you're just, and you have no idea. Kind love is kind. Always takes into account where the heavy load people are carrying. Love does not envy. Envy never has negative thoughts when others succeed. Love is not arrogant. It's never self-focused or puffed up. Love does not boast. I use this. I like it. Never, it's never a pompous windbag, right? I love that. Never boast. Never a pompous windbag. Love is not rude. Does not insist on its own way. It listens, right? It prefers others. Love is not irritable. I mean, I'm in, we're two weeks into our fast. It's like this is what I've struggled with every day. Being easily angered, Ugh, right? Love is not resentful. Never holds grudges. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. I love this one because love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It says something different in the NIV, which I like better. 
But basically it means you keep no records of wrong with the intention of retaliating. That's what it means. Like something happens, you forgive, and then you actually don't bring it up five years later in a moment. There's no love in that. Love never fails. Love is always this demonstration. It's always an action. It's something that we express or is expressed to us like Jesus on the cross. And as Jesus was loved by the Father, so Paul was loved by Jesus. And so we now have learned how to love. There's this quote. I forgot to put it in, so I apologize. But just listen to it. It says, uh, here it is right here. Each thing that love does is something in which the ego does not dominate. Each thing that love does not do is something in which the ego does dominate. I don't know about you, but I'm an ego-filled person. I'm an ego-filled person. But I want to be a love-motivated person. Because love motivates us to love others. And the way that Paul and the way that Jesus, which is they both did it, we probably should too. The way they expressed love was through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gift of compassion. Oh, so good. Gift of mercy. I like those people coming around me. The gift of prophecy, speaking into my life truth from error. I may not always enjoy it, but I always need it. And so in this place, right, God is motivating us to experience love. So it then compels us to express love. And the perspective that Paul ends with that he wants us to have, he would say this, the gifts are needed for a season But faith, hope, and love, and primarily love, are forever. So those are our primary things that we go after. Like we are always focused on faith, hope, and love. But the gifts are needed until when? Until they're not needed. Until Jesus returns. And so in this temporal sense, the gifts then are something we eagerly desire. But we're making sure primarily... That we are grounded in the experiential love of Jesus on the cross that's been so awakened inside of me that I find then that my actions and what I do looks just like what Paul is naming in 1 Corinthians 13. So my gifts and our gifts actually change the community and change one another's lives. How do we know the gifts aren't working? You don't love people real well. You focus on yourself most of the time. And we're not really seeing many of the gifts expressed. You're not telling stories all day long about how the gifts move through you and how you experience the gifts. I wonder, this is a little convicting, I apologize. I wonder if I went to your neighbor's house, if they could tell me stories about how the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowed through you. I just wonder. No condemnation in that, but it's something we'd be asking ourselves. We need to figure out, is love really flowing through? Are the gifts really moving in power? The word of Paul is clear. Paul never means for the gifts. This is important. Paul never means for the gifts to be turned away from. He means for them to be, whatever the word is, dove in, divin, dive, dive straight into them, whatever the word is, right? You know what I mean. Was it to dive headfirst into them from the foundation of love that has grounded everything that we do and who we are? It's best to start with your spouse and then with your kids and then with your family. It's a great place to practice and learn and figure out how you're doing. 
and then move out to everybody else. What happens when we do this? It's real simple. Revival happens. It's real simple. God's spirit all of a sudden begins to move. Why? Because love is the highway of God's spirit. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we've talked for a long time, and so I just pray grace on each person. If they're running late for something, I just pray that you would make it okay. And I do pray, Jesus, this morning that they would have enough time just to kind of put their clock away just for a moment simply to respond and to hear from you. I pray right now, God, just an extra, just an outpouring of your grace, your blessing, your spirit, your power into this moment to change hearts and to change minds and to change life. God, I, I am praying as if my hand is on their forehead and I'm saying, Jesus, love them through me. Father, that's what you know I'm longing for and asking for. I'm asking first that people would just be honest with themselves this morning. Two, they'd be honest about where they are having experienced your love. And then I pray, Jesus, that you would focus their primary energies not on what they're doing poorly in the context of love, but that, God, you would focus their affection and their eyes on the cross and Jesus who loves them so that when that happens, then everything else washes away. Jesus, we're asking this morning for love to be awakened. This morning, I invite our ministry teams to come forward again. I know that it's late, and so I want to ask you just to take a moment to respond before the Lord. You can come to the altar and pray. I just really sensed last service this is urgent, this call of God to come to the altar and really lay some things down. So I invite you to do that. We have ministry teams on both sides. Listen, these are people right here who in their own stories have experienced difficult hardships, reaching the end, crying out, saying, God, you're all that I have, and the love of God being manifest. These people... People know Jesus and love them. They just want to help you and pray for you and allow God's love to flow through you, whether it's in any of the gifts. They need a gift of this gift of, of knowledge, this, this gift of healing, whatever it may be. Just want to pray that over you. So I invite you to come. You obviously know where the baskets are for offering first timers. Here it is, right? Come as the Lord leads. And then we have communion available. But before you leave or while you leave, you have to go. Would you please not leave? without having first looked towards the cross and to see how alive the love of Jesus is for you that so compels you to love everyone around you. My hope this morning is you have your own birth. Your own birth this morning into this. Be blessed. Have a great week. Don't forget the... The board outside is a practical way of expressing our love. We had people come last night to foster care and just love on our kids. They took a night out of their life just to be patient, to be kind, and to love on people. There's ways to make that happen. Every month we do it. You respond as the Lord leads. We'll see you soon.